ReachMD XM157 now presents this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health. Sometimes it seems as though science is proving the lifestyles of our ancestors to be better for our hearts and our bodies. More outdoor activity, fresh foods and vegetables, a moderate lifestyle, and how about adding a day of fasting every month? You're listening to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a ReachMD special series, Exploring Heart Health. I'm your host, Dr. Shira Johnson. Joining me today is Dr. Brent Muelstein and Dr. Benjamin Horn, both from Intermountain Medical Center. Dr. Muelstein is an interventional cardiologist and director of cardiology research at Intermountain. Dr. Horn has his PhD in medical informatics and specializes in genetic epidemiology. Very relevant to our discussion today. We have both of them here to discuss their recent research in the area of fasting and cardiovascular risk. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Dr. Muelstein, you've practiced interventional cardiology for years. Tell us how you came upon the effects of fasting and cardiovascular risk. Well, when I did my training, I was at Duke University, and cardiovascular disease was very prevalent there. Then moving back to Utah, I found that although coronary disease is certainly very prevalent in Utah as well, the prevalence of it was significantly less than it was back in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina is a place that's called Tobacco Road, and smoking is very common there. And predominant religion in Utah is Mormonism, and they proscribe smoking, and so the incidence of smoking is much less. Some studies have demonstrated that Mormons have less heart disease than non-Mormons, and so we decided to look at that and see if we could confirm that in our population, and indeed we did. But we had information about smoking as well and found that even after you eliminate the smokers in both groups, there was a significant reduction in the risk of heart disease in the patients who were of the Mormon belief rather than others. And so this led us to some interesting questions. Why might it be the case? And so we went on to do studies and found that fasting, which is another practice that Mormons do on a regular basis about once a month, was also associated with a reduction in the risk of heart disease as compared to non-fasting. Now, Dr. Horn, as a genetic epidemiologist, how did you get involved with the work that Dr. Muelstein is doing? Well, genetics is certainly a, a hot topic today, and it's something of great interest to me, and it's what most of my research covers. But one of the things that has also been found in genetics is that changes in lifestyle and behaviors can have a strong effect on reducing the risk from genetic markers, even among people with, with highly deleterious genes. And so I try and keep my feet a little bit in the public health and prevention arena as well. And that's where this fasting study lies with changes in, in behavior. So Dr. Horn, tell us some more about your research. Uh, how did you go about it? How many patients did you look at? And uh, what were some of your findings? Okay, initially we looked at uh, around 4,600 patients trying to determine whether there was a difference between the level of risk for coronary disease of Mormons versus people of other religious preferences. There have been some studies in the past that have shown that Mormons have a lower cardiac mortality risk, both compared to people in, other people in Utah and to national averages. And so we attempted to validate that. And upon finding that this was the case, even after correction for smoking 
behavior. We decided we wanted to look into other potential predictors in this population, other behaviors that may ameliorate the risk of coronary disease. Now, so you ruled out smoking and alcohol and, and what else? We, in the initial study, we ruled out smoking, which was the, the biggest, it's, it's a very strong risk factor that had been shown consistently for 50 years to be a risk factor for coronary disease. We didn't have any other information about Mormon-related behaviors per se in that initial study. And so what we did is we developed a survey where we could evaluate these other behavioral variables from the Mormon lifestyle. And we investigated or asked the patients in the survey, in addition to their smoking behavior, we asked about did they drink alcohol or tea or coffee, also what kinds of social support they have from family and friends for talking with them about their personal problems or their health problems. Also asked about whether they attend religious services or observe a day of rest on a routine basis. And then the the one we were most interested in was asking about whether they routinely abstain from from food or drink, that is, uh, they fast on a routine basis. Did some of these things go hand in hand? Did you find if you're, I guess, serious enough about your religion to fast one day a week, then you probably also take the Sabbath as a day of rest and some of the other factors behind the lifestyle? There certainly was a clustering effect, not as strong as as one might anticipate, but there, there was a clustering of these factors. And we found that those who fasted were more likely to not be smokers and to not use alcohol, tea, or coffee. They had a higher level of social support and were more likely to attend religious services. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to a special series, Exploring Heart Health on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking with Dr. Brent Muelstein and Dr. Benjamin Horn from Intermountain Medical Center in Utah. We're discussing the effects of fasting on cardiovascular disease. Now, do you think, Dr. Horn, could this population also have more self-discipline and maybe control their eating habits better because that's part of the lifestyle? That's certainly a possibility. Our initial hypothesis in pursuing the effects of fasting on cardiovascular disease was that it would have some effect on the metabolism and potentially on sensitivity of the body to glucose and so forth. But religiously, fasting is usually intended as a method of purification and also improving one's self-discipline. And so as a, a product of fasting, it may be that individuals who participate in this behavior gain greater discipline over themselves and just simply have a, a better diet and better behavior profile overall. And so it may be a marker of people who live a clean lifestyle. Did you look at any individuals who were not Mormon, but they did fast? We did. About 67% of the patients in the study were Mormon, and the other 33% were of various other religions. And when we stratified on religious preference, we found that the effect of fasting, there were about 8% of the patients who were of of other religious preferences other than Mormon, and we found that they had a strong effect on lower risk of coronary disease if they were ones who fasted. In fact, the, the effect appeared to be somewhat larger, and from a statistical sense, we could say that's 
at least as much as the effect of fasting in Mormons. That sounds pretty significant. I'm just curious what other groups were you studying or what other religious groups exist in Utah that fast also, or were they for non-religious reasons? Some of them reported that they did not have any particular religion, and some of them were Catholic and Protestant and various religions. And so it wasn't any clear religion in particular, but for personal reasons, they fasted, and it it appears to have a strongly beneficial effect for their cardiovascular health. Now, what other research, Dr. Horn, has already been done on cardiovascular risk and fasting? There actually is very little other research, at least in humans. There has been some that have been done in animal models that have evaluated the effect of fasting on various different, primarily gene expression parameters. And we can infer some conclusions that it should have some beneficial effect on cardiovascular health. The primary effect that has been seen in these animal studies is that longevity increases for those animals that are are made to fast. Now, Dr. Muelstein, diabetics can't fast. Are there any other caveats? Can any of your research findings be carried over into clinical practice at this time? The only kind of things that I can think of that would prevent somebody from fasting or make it, you know, unhealthy to fast would be if someone is nursing or pregnant, and so they probably shouldn't fast at that time. Luckily, nursing or pregnant women are protected from heart disease from a variety of other ways, and so it's probably all right in that regard. Other people who have to take medicines that you have to take with food that might make it difficult for them to fast. Now, whether or not it requires total fasting to get the benefit or just as Dr. Horn talked about, a significant caloric restriction might also give you the same benefit. We don't know because the standard practice in the Mormon faith is to fast completely going without food or any drink for the whole 24 hours. But that doesn't mean that you might not get the physical benefit if you just ate a small amount in order to be able to take your your pills and so forth. So you might be able to work around it. And so I think most people, unless they are extremely ill to begin with, have the capacity to fast for 24 hours. And it appears that they would get a significant benefit from it. And so I'm certainly starting to recommend it for my patients. And We'll see how it goes. It's kind of interesting because really if you think about it, and almost all religions somewhere for some holy day or have, have it in their culture for a number of hours or for a day or longer, it might even be a way to do it where you start out fasting for 6 or 8 or 12 hours and see how you tolerate it and then you could increase it perhaps, yes? Maybe, as Dr. Horn commented on in some of the possible pathophysiologic mechanisms how fasting might be beneficial, it's kind of related to diabetes. So what I guess we ought to look at, Dr. Horn, is whether or not the prevalence of diabetes was lower in those patients who fasted versus those who didn't fast. And if that's the case, then fasting might prevent diabetes. And if it prevents diabetes, it certainly might prevent heart disease. We'll have to check into that. And you're thinking of probably adult onset or type 2, correct? Yes, type 2 diabetes. Uh huh. I actually have looked at that, and there was a significantly lower prevalence of diabetes among those who routinely fast. You know, we haven't been very successful in this country in stopping heart disease, despite all of our resources and all of the risk factors that we've identified as physicians and as scientists. But both of you have looked at this from many angles. What's some of the possible implications from your research for the future? Where do you think this is going? This is Dr. Muelstein. I think that it's an area that will have the potential to expand greatly, maybe perhaps increasing our understanding of the underlying pathophysiology of atherosclerotic heart disease and also maybe diabetes and maybe even assist us in figuring out exactly how diet goes. 
we're going to have to figure out how to do some randomized trials where we do smaller studies and look at the physiology of what happens when people fast. But if we do that, we may be able to tap into not only more effective lifestyle that can help everyone in staying healthy and reduce the risk of diabetes and heart disease, but it also might help us to ultimately go into a direction of maybe finding some pharmaceutical agents that are headed into an entirely different pathophysiologic direction than we have even anticipated before. Thank you, Dr. Muelstein and Dr. Horn, for being our guests. We've been discussing a decrease in cardiovascular disease that's been seen in subjects who fast for as little as one day a month and prevent heart disease. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for being here. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to a special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library in on-demand podcasts. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to our special series, Exploring Heart Health. Join us all month for more here on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.